Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to the Bible, Bible Discussion, Discussion Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bible Discussion Podcast. All right, everybody. Um, I have had several questions dealing with this topic in one way or another. I do want to make this perfectly clear before I begin this lesson on Christian and government. Um, I am not going to take political sides in this. I am not going to take a political stance in this. This is going to be a strictly how a Christian and his government should act, how a Christian should act toward his government, and I'm going to try and make this valid for people. I've had a couple listeners that have tuned in more so here lately in the U.S. and in the U.K., including some in um, Scotland uh, in particular. So, I'm going to try and relate this to everybody, and like I said, I'm not going to choose a political side here, so if that's if that's what you're afraid of, then you don't have to cut me off. I'm, I'm not going to get political on here. We're going to just discuss the Bible, okay? So first of all, dealing with a Christian and government, I'd like for us to look at something. Who has all authority on heaven and earth? You know, in the book of Genesis, we read how God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, we can read, Worthy are you, O Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Because God created the heavens and the earth, and because his power um, it, it overrides, it transcends the physical world. Our earthly power, he has absolute authority over it, over all creation, including us human beings. Now, earthly government authority is subject to the authority of God himself. But... This doesn't mean that followers of God, you know, Christians, may disregard the authority of the civil government that refuse to acknowledge the authority of God, okay? Um, now, let's consider religious authority versus government authority. Civil governments, okay, they, they possess, possess a legitimate authority to govern God's creation, this authority needs to be obeyed for a person to be pleasing to God. And honestly, the Bible teaches that civil governments have authority and separate apart, separate and apart from the church established by Jesus. Jesus taught that his kingdom, the church, was not intended to exercise civil government authority, but to operate in a different realm. In John 18.36, Jesus told Pilate, and we had a lesson on Pilate last week, but Jesus told Pilate, he was a Roman governor, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. <clears throat> but my kingdom is not from this world. To appreciate 
what the Bible's saying in this subject, in this regard, we need to understand the meaning of civil government or civil law. This simply means um, the law established by a nation, a state or a county, a town, uh, or any government level that applies to the citizens that live there. Uh, civil law concerns crimes, private rights, public uh, conduct of a citizen, how they should act. This is in contrast to military law or international law, okay? <clears throat> um, civil law also contrasts with church law, which is sometimes called ecclesiastical law. Now, I had to do a lot of reading on this. I'm hoping I'm getting this right, okay? Um, civil law governs the interactions of people who live under the same government. The Bible teaches that God never intended his spiritual kingdom to provide the earthly oversight and administrative function of civil government. Instead, this earthly oversight is reserved for civil institutions. Similarly, God never intended for Christians to make their civil governments into religious governments. God is the only moral religious ruler. God alone will act as a judge and will enact the punishment that he, in perfect justice, decides for violations of his moral law, of his religious law. Governments of men are civil rulers. Civil governments, they regulate their citizens' lives in their daily... Um, what's a good word for this? In their daily interactions with each other. They are not intended to be the enforcer who punish people when they break God's religious laws. But oftentimes, civil laws reflect the wisdom and righteousness of God's moral laws. But the two were never intended to be the same or to work the same. Instead of controlling civil governments, God teaches his followers to obey the civil government and to trust him even when a particular government seems to oppose God's will. <clears throat> In fact, the Bible teaches that civil governments are instituted and authorized by God. And just for one example on this, um, look at Rome. And, and I may bring this up later. I can't remember if I wrote it in my notes here, but look at Rome. We never see Jesus telling his people to overthrow Rome with all of the sinful, pagan, terrible things that was going on there. We never see that. And Jesus, one of his disciples, was a zealot. A zealot is a person that wants to overthrow the government. And he put that aside to work with people like Matthew, who is a tax collector, working for the government. So, getting back on topic here, even the institutions that refuse to acknowledge God's authority are authorized by God. Let's, let's look at God's control of governments and rulers. According to the Bible, God himself determines every earthly kingdom and ruler. Let's consider some scriptures that teach this. 
Acts 17.26, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. The Old Testament contains numerous examples and explicit teaching on this, that God rules in international and governmental affairs. Daniel 2, 20-21 says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In Daniel chapter 4, we see God personally humbled the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. After recovering from his difficult lesson, the great king proclaimed that God has shown his power so that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was a brutal conqueror of God's chosen people at the time, but he's used as a prime example in the Bible that God is in charge of what rulers govern and at what times. Apart from God, no earthly governmental authority exists. As Jesus Jesus himself said to the Roman governor who was deciding Jesus' fate, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. John 19.11 And because God institutes and authorizes these civil governments, he also instructs his followers to obey or be subject to those civil governments. The Christian's attitude toward government. The Bible's instructions to Christians about how to act toward their government can be summed up in one word. I mean, honestly, subjection. Romans 13, 1-4 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. The same principles are also given by the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter 2, 13-17, we read, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as the supreme or to the governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Notice that the book of Romans is written to the very capital of the Roman Empire. The same government was the power that put Jesus to death on the cross. And this same Roman government put Paul in prison. And according to our human secular history, it 
killed both Paul and Peter also. You know, the Roman government killed thousands of Christians, honestly. Um, but what are God's instructions to the oppressed Christians of Rome be subject to the governing authorities? Even the Roman government was instituted by God. Resisting their authority is the same as resisting God's authority. Peter, who was present the night the Roman soldiers arrested Jesus, says, What? Honor the emperor? What emperor was in power at the time? The Roman emperor Caesar? This surprising principle needs to be carefully studied, in my opinion, by everybody who professes to follow Jesus Christ. Even when a government does evil things, they are to be treated as carrying God-given authority to provide law and order in the place where they have authority. And Christians must respect that authority, but there's one narrow exception to this, when you can disobey. Every government has God-given authority. The Bible reveals certain situations in which a Christian must not obey government rules. And that is specifically when governments seek to prohibit a Christian from doing the peaceful will of God. Then the Christian must disobey that government rule. In Daniel chapter 3, when King Nebuchadnezzar sets up a golden idol and ordered that everyone must worship this false god. The righteous Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the idol. Their disobedience was pleasing to God, who then saved them from the fiery furnace. And then later in Daniel chapter 6, King Darius ordered that no one was allowed to pray to any god other than to King Darius. Daniel correctly continued to pray, to Jehovah, to God. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God protected him from the lions, much like his friends in chapter 3. The same principle is also found in the New Testament. A lot of the public life of Jesus was spent in confrontation of the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. Jesus turned over the money changing tables, he ran the greedy out of the temple in Mark chapter 11. He repeatedly healed on the Sabbath and spent time with people who were considered undesirable. Jesus broke traditions of how to wash your hands and whether you could feed yourself by picking grain on the Sabbath. Interestingly to me, Jesus, his disobedience was actually direct. It was directed at perversions of God's religious law and not civil government authority. Jesus never broke an actual law, religious or civil, but he simply violated traditions of men. He didn't ever once violate the law. Now, what are some examples of this? I mean, when, when should a Christian possibly disobey the government. Um, during COVID, during 2020, in, in that ballpark, you know, some into 2021, there was a lot of cases where we were all being careful, you know, but 
the government, for the most part, was not flat out saying you can't. Now, this is in the United States, you know. For the most part, the government was not saying you cannot get together. No. And lock your church building doors. No. There were some places that did happen. But for the most part, that wasn't what was happening. Now, had the government been just flat out saying that, then it would have been a different story all around. That would have been a situation where, in my opinion, you could have, you know, possibly disobeyed. And that's my opinion now, so take that with a grain of salt. But a person, you know, if the government tells you you can't, you can't pray in your own home, you can't go to church in general, you know, let's say this is happening today, okay, right now in 2022 in July, let's say they, they say that to you, then you have a right to disobey them according to the Bible. But that's when the government is telling you to disobey God's law, the religious law. So, moving on here, we need to listen to God rather than the government. Um, as long as as long as we're going by what God expects us to do. Now, one thing we need to notice was even after the apostles, after Jesus was killed, we never see the apostles call for widespread disobedience or rioting or dis- disturbing the peace. You know, they, they're trying to be as peaceful as they can to preach Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the entire nation of Jews. You know, they wound up having a war with Rome. And the temple was burned in AD 70, but I'm talking about the apostles. They never called for a change in government leaders. They just persisted in following the word of God. In all the examples of disobeying government, at least two common threads are easily seen. First, God never expects his people to obey civil government when that government interferes with their ability to worship or serve him. Second, the disobedience is always limited to actually doing God's will. Never in Daniel, in the life of Jesus, or the apostles after Jesus' death, did anyone actually rise up against the government. God's people have never been called to try to change a government. Instead, God's people are to focus on following God's will and trust God to institute leaders in government. God's people must simply obey the government. Unless doing so perverts, pre- excuse me, prevents them from doing God's will. The last thing I'd like to mention here is something that we all need to be doing. We need to be praying for our government, praying for our government leaders. First Timothy two one through two says, "For of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people." for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And here we see even deeper thought into what the Christian attitude toward government should be. 
Christians should desire that government to provide an atmosphere of peace and quiet. Christians should pray for the ability to live in godliness and dignity. And Christians are commanded to pray for kings and everyone who holds a high office that they would lead in a way that allows Christians to serve God in peace, quiet, and dignity. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me get a drink first before I ask this question. Okay. I live in the United States. So for all of you who are in America, and regardless of political party here, let me ask you a a couple questions. I want you to think long and hard on this. When was the last time that you were praying and you prayed for Nancy Pelosi? When was the last time that you were praying and you prayed for Mitch McConnell? When was, for for my listeners in the UK, when was the last time that you were praying for Keir Starmer? the leader of the Labor Party, or Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, or for my Scottish listeners, when was the last time you prayed for Nicola Sturgeon, y'all's First Minister? We need to be praying for our government leaders. Folks, a lot of times, if we don't like a certain political party because of their ideology, okay? Let's say you're a Republican and you don't like the Democratic Party. Then you look at Nancy Pelosi, and a lot of times you see someone like that as someone that's evil, someone that doesn't deserve prayer. But God tells us to pray for our leaders. And like it or not, that person is a leader. If you don't like Joe Biden, you you need to you need to be praying for him. You know, he he is the president of this country regardless. And I mean what it boils down to is regardless of whatever side of the aisle a person happens to be on, you need to be praying for them. Because the truth is God did not send his son to this earth just to save a Republican, just to save a Democrat. Uh, If you're listening in the United Kingdom or Scotland right now, he did not send Jesus to this earth to save a member of the Scottish National Party, the Labor Party, or the conservative Tories. He sent his son to save everyone of every political background and every nationality. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do to all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Remember to pray for your government. The Bible asks us to, or excuse me, doesn't ask, the Bible commands us to. And remember that just because you have a certain view politically, secularly, it doesn't have to transcend into hatred 
for other people. Because the truth is, regardless if you don't like that person or not, that's still a person that God loves and God wants to see in heaven one day. Regardless of what I think about a certain person, about their opinion, about how they act, and this doesn't just go for government, this just goes for everyday life. Regardless if someone's just a little rude and I don't like them, that's still a soul that God desires to see in heaven. So we need to remember to pray. Y'all, I've gone 25 minutes, and I think that's just about enough. I hope y'all enjoyed the lesson, and I hope that answered some of the questions that I've received from some people um, dealing with government. Just keep in mind that God puts the government authorities in power, and, you know, I, I didn't mention it earlier, but I'll just throw this out there, you know, a prime example would be, and I'm not getting, I'm not going to get political and choose sides, you know, but a prime example would be, you know, the January 6th deal. You know, one thing that we've got to keep in mind is if we're supposed to be in subject to the government, then we we as Christians cannot be doing things like that. You know, one of the worst things that I saw from those tapes was seeing people, some people were actually holding crosses and you saw a police officer getting hit with a cross. You know, what, what kind of message does that send? Regardless of whatever your political affiliation, no nobody wants to see something like that happen, you know. And, and like I said, I'm not taking sides. I'm just calling it how it is. And, you know, earlier when I was talking about Simon the Zealot being a man that wanted to overthrow the government and Matthew being a tax collector, one thing that I that I think we need to think about at the very last of this episode is if those two could work together for Jesus, then we can all work together for Jesus, whether we be Republican, Democrat, or like I said, in the UK, labor or conservative, we can all work together for Christ because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what he expects of us. And one good thing about being a Christian is I don't have to choose political sides. I can look at the Republican Party and I can say, you know, I, I like that right there. I like what he said. And then someone else says something and I go, well, I don't like that. That's not Christ-like. I can look at the Democratic Party and I can say, you know what? I like what he said right there. And then they say something else and I go, well, you know what? That's not Christ-like. I don't base my entire belief system on this world, on men. We need to base our entire belief system, our faith. We need to put our faith in God, in Jehovah. We don't need to put our faith in a political leader. We are to be, we are to be, we live in this world, but we're not to be of this world. But anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. And I appreciate y'all listening so much. I had a huge influx of listeners today, and I was tickled to death to see that. Um, For all of the listeners 
in the United Kingdom, I'll just let y'all know, um, there should be a um, couple churches. I'm going to try to get a directory in, in to the churches in the UK, to all of the churches of Christ that are listed in the UK. I've got someone working on that for me now, and I'm going to post that to the Facebook page, and I will put it in the link to either probably this video. I'll go back and put it in the link if I have to. But I, I've had several people looking for churches, and um, I'm going to go ahead and try to get that on there. But um, I just wanted to make y'all aware of that. But if you don't mind, be sure and like the podcast. Um, if you do like it, of course. And uh, leave a review if you don't mind, because if you do that, it helps to reach more people. Be sure and share the podcast on Facebook. That would be another way to help out if you like the podcast. And also, join the Facebook group, Bible Discussion Podcast Facebook group. And uh, you can be added to there, and I post all kind of stuff on there. You know, that's normally where I post the podcast themselves, and then I'll put memes on there, you know, and other things, and Bible lessons, and just different things, some lessons from our congregation. But um, I really appreciate y'all listening, and I hope y'all have a great week. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Discussion Podcast. As always, I'd like to welcome you to come and worship our at my congregation where I worship, excuse me, I got a little tongue-tied there, uh, Liberty Church of Christ in Dennis, Mississippi. Our Wednesday night services are at 7 o'clock, and then Sunday morning our Bible classes start at 9, and then at 10 o'clock our worship service begins. And then at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights we will have our evening worship. But if you're ever in the area of Dennis, Mississippi, be sure and stop by Liberty Church of Christ and We'd be tickled to have you there. You'd be an honored guest. We've uh, we've got classes for all ages, and we just we love to have visitors, you know. And we'd be very tickled if you could come and visit us at Liberty. <laughs>